everyone, and welcome back to the Renew Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, Kieran Lenahan. I help faith-driven entrepreneurs grow their businesses, simplify them so they can spend more time with their family, and mature in their faith. I do that in a few different ways, one of which is here on the podcast by teaching some of the concepts that have been highly influential both in my entrepreneurial journey as well as in the lives and businesses of my clients. And then lastly, I help established entrepreneurs via one-on-one coaching. So I help them scale their businesses without scaling how many hours they work. Spiritual formation becomes a really, really important focus in one-on-one work and just helping you on your journey become more like Jesus and mature in your faith. But without further ado, let's dive into today's topic, which is decision-making. Back in episode 13, we talked about a distinction between making the right decision and making a decision right. And so if you haven't listened to it or if it's been a while and you find yourself trying to make the right decision all the time and you don't want to make a wrong decision, listen to episode 13. It was a good one. But today we're going to dive into decision making from a slightly different perspective. We're actually going to talk about the speed of decision making and how much information you actually need to make a decision. And I'm actually really pumped for today's episode because Decision-making is one of the areas where I most commonly hear people unknowingly attach a lie to their self-concept, to their identity. And it sounds something like this. Oh, I'm just a slow decision-maker. I'm an overthinker. I love to analyze decisions in a million different ways. Or my favorite, I just don't like to make rash decisions. Now, if you have ever said any of those things or something like it, it's okay. I'm not here to shame you. I was one of those people. I used to say all the time that I'm a classic overthinker. Analysis paralysis is just my state of being. I get it from my dad. These are all things that I no longer say. And I think it's so important to start off this conversation around decision-making with this note on identity because I don't want you to take ownership of a lie about who you are that's going to hold you back in your business and in your life. You are not an overthinker. That's not a genetic trait that skips a generation that you inherited from your grandfather. Decision-making is a learned pattern. Decision-making is a skill, and it's a pattern that you can unlearn, edit, and change. You are not doomed to overthinking for the rest of your life. That is not glued to who you are and who God created you to be. And so before diving in, before taking any further step, I just wanted to call that out and allow you to just remove, if that's something that you have held on to as part of your identity, to just remove that, to see that that is separate from you, that is not inherently a part of you. So remove it at least for the, for the length of this episode, remove that, set it on the side, and let's go forward. Now, as you had guessed from the title of this episode, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Jeff. Let's talk about him. Jeff Bezos founded Amazon in 1994. And then shortly after that, which I didn't realize, Blue Origin, which is his suborbital space company, he founded that in 2000. He took Amazon from an online bookstore being run out of a garage to what it is today, where there are Amazon warehouses just about everywhere. Amazon dominates the cloud infrastructure marketplace. They own 34% of the market, which is more than Microsoft, IBM, and Google combined. And he's the second wealthiest person in the world, only behind Elon Musk at the moment. 
And although he's no longer the CEO of Amazon, he stepped down last year and into a role as executive chairman of the board. He is one of the most accomplished and respected entrepreneurs of our generation. Now, it feels like I was just about to like introduce him. I don't actually have Jeff Bezos here with me on the podcast, maybe one day. But regardless of how you feel about Jeff Bezos and Amazon and the impact that they've had on the world, he is a smart guy and he has left clues behind regarding certain aspects of growing and running a successful business. And one of the things that he's known for in the business world are actually his letters to the shareholders while he was still CEO of Amazon. In these letters, he often shared a ton of insight into his decision-making process, into their business goals for the year and beyond, and the decision-making process of Amazon's entire leadership team. And I'm going to link to a few of his letters that he wrote to shareholders in the show notes. They're really, really interesting to read. It's really cool to get a look inside of Jeff's head, especially in the early years of Amazon. He refers to this concept of them always being a day one organization, always having the mindset of they're just getting started. And it's something that has driven their innovation. But today I want to pull out some ideas from a letter that he wrote to shareholders in 2015. And he had some notes and comments around decision making that I think are really relevant for all of us. And so here's the plan for today. We're going to talk about the decision-making framework that Jeff uses and that has been used within the leadership team at Amazon for decades. And it has to do with this distinction between one-way doors and two-way doors. I'll unpack what that means. After that, we're going to talk about how much information Jeff actually thinks you need in order to make a good decision, which I am calling the 70% rule. And then lastly, we're just going to wrap up with a really simple practical, very exciting, I think probably one of the more fun uh, challenges that I'm going to issue on the podcast. And so decision-making framework, how much information Jeff thinks you actually need to make a decision, and then a simple challenge to end. So first, Jeff, who I now refer to on a first name basis, he breaks decisions into two categories, one-way doors and two-way doors. Here's a quote from one of his letters to the shareholders. He says, some decisions are consequential and irreversible or nearly irreversible. One-way doors. And these decisions must be made methodically, carefully, slowly, and with great care. If you walk through and don't like what you see on the other side, you can't get back to where you were before. But most decisions aren't like that. They are changeable reversible. They're two-way doors. If you've made a suboptimal two-way door decision, you don't have to live with the consequences for that long. You can reopen the door and go back through. End quote. So one-way doors. These are decisions that are almost impossible to reverse. They're decisions that are highly consequential, meaning there's a high cost to undo it. And so you can only go through a one-way door in one direction. You can't easily undo your decision. It's not like you can just press control Z. You can't turn around and walk back through that door and get back to where you were. The consequences of a one-way door decision are more sticky. 
And as a result, Jeff talks about how for one-way doors, he wants to look at that decision from 17 different angles and be highly confident that they're making a good decision. And so a couple of examples, firing an employee or firing a client, selling your business, or investing in some kind of service where you can't get a refund, right? These are all things that once you do it, there isn't really going back to where things were, right? It's a door you walk through and you can't you can't turn around and go back through the door. You now just need to live in that new room that you're in. So those are one-way doors. In contrast, two-way doors, these are the decisions that are reversible. They are easier to undo or change course or edit your decision afterwards. The stakes are significantly lower if you decide to change your mind. And so if you walk through the door and don't like the way that it looks, you can just walk back through the door with little to no consequences, right? The consequences are less sticky. And as a result, it's less important to look at that decision from 17 different angles. It's actually much more efficient and effective to simply make the decision and move on, move forward. And often what will happen is that even if you don't love the decision after the fact, you can course correct quickly and just keep moving forward in less time than it would have taken you to analyze 50 different aspects of the decision. And so some examples of two-way doors, choosing a calendar software, choosing a place to host your website, choosing your price, choosing what to call yourself or the title to put on your website or in your Instagram bio, I'm a this kind of coach or this kind of consultant or this type of designer. Depending on where your business is, even hiring an employee can be a two-way door right? It may not work out and you have the ability to let somebody go. And so you'll notice that the list of examples is a little bit longer for two-way doors than for one-way doors. And that's because most decisions, according to Jeff, and I would agree, most decisions are actually two-way doors. In the letter that he wrote to shareholders, Jeff goes on to say that the biggest mistake that people and organizations can make is using a one-size-fits-all approach to decisions. Meaning, if you were to make every decision as if it were a one-way door, when in reality, most decisions are two-way doors, you're making a huge mistake. He says that organizations remain stagnant and move slowly. They don't innovate. They don't keep up with competition, with the advancement of technology, when they treat every decision as a one-way decision. Right? They create red tape bureaucracy around decisions that don't actually need that level of scrutiny and that level of red tape. And as a result, they move slowly, and that shows in the business results that they create. And so the same is true for you. Now, maybe you're not running a multi-billion dollar corporation, but you might be the only person in your business right now. You might have a team of five employees. If you treat every decision as if it were a one-way door, you're going to move slowly. And the point that I'll get to in a bit is that it's not necessary to treat every decision like a one-way door, like life or death. And not only is it not necessary, it's actually unwise. Now, the way at a very basic level to figure out if something that you're considering is a one-way door or a two-way door is to ask about two characteristics. Number one, is the decision reversible? And number two, how consequential is the decision? In other words, how sticky will the consequences be? How big of an impact will this have 
on the business? How many other things would this decision affect? And I want to call out, and maybe as you're listening to this, you kind of had this question pop up. This isn't as black and white as this framework makes it sound. There is some subjectivity to it. There is nuance, right? This isn't black and white or the same for everybody in every situation. For example, if you built a website on Squarespace and you've put a ton of time and money and effort into it, building the front end, building backend systems, you have a ton of integrations with other software, you have a client base that all has accounts on this system, transitioning all of that over to another platform is a pretty consequential decision. And so choosing a place to host and build your website might skew a little bit more towards the one-way door on the spectrum. And actually, that's the way that I would encourage you to think about this is on a spectrum with either extreme being a one-way door or a two-way door. On the other hand, if you basically just have a homepage and a few other pages on Squarespace and you want to move your website, that's more of a two-way door, right? It's going to be less consequential. The consequences will be less sticky if you decide to change your mind later on. Now, here are some examples of two-way doors that I often see people treat as one-way doors. Again, keeping in mind this idea of a spectrum, keeping in mind that there is some nuance here. The first one, choosing your niche. This one is huge. So many people, especially early on, waste time researching and thinking about this decision and don't actually just make the decision and put it out into the real world and iterate and prototype by actually working with people in a specific niche. I also see people do this with tons of different kind of choices between software, whether it's choosing accounting software or Calendly versus Acuity or where to build your website or what CRM or email management or email software to use. The name of someone's business. This is one where I've seen people literally take months and months to decide. And then this last one, this is something that I think is really common and really dangerous because it happens over and over again. Sometimes people treat creating and sharing a piece of content, a marketing email, a post on Instagram, a video on Facebook, they treat sharing that piece of content as a one-way door because they think it has to be perfect. And so those are just some examples of things and decisions that you might be treating as a one-way door, even though it's a two-way door. You can change your mind, you can delete the post, you can switch to a different software, you can change the name of your business or do a, a DBA. This list could go on and on, but these are just some examples to get your wheels spinning. Because the reality is you can take just about any decision that you make throughout the day in your business or outside of the business. You could be treating decisions as a one-way door when in reality, it's a two-way door. Now, before we go on to the second part of today where we talk about how much information do you actually need to make a decision, I just wanna point out some areas where you're already naturally making this distinction between one-way doors and two-way doors. And what we want to do is to carry this over from some personal decisions into your business decisions. So here are some examples of those. So the one that immediately comes to mind, we just went through this process, buying a house, right? Buying a house isn't irreversible. You have the option to sell it. But the consequences are pretty sticky when you buy a house. It takes a lot of time, takes a lot of money, a lot of effort, to make that decision and it would take more of the same in order to undo or to reverse that decision. And so as a result, 
if you've bought a house, you probably gave that more thought than you did picking out your outfit in the morning. Another example, think back to the typewriter. And I'm not sure why this example comes to mind given the fact that I and most of you have probably never used a typewriter, uh, but stick with me, it still works here. Making a typo on a typewriter is way more costly than it is on a computer where you can just press delete or press control Z or use spell check to correct it. And this is why we type way faster on our computers than people used to on typewriters. And this is why we make so many typos and spend very little time worrying about our accuracy with the keyboard. Because unlike people who are using typewriters all day, we don't really have to care if we make a mistake. It just doesn't cost us that much time or effort if we make a mistake. Last point here and then we'll move on. Think about every product or service that has a free version or a free trial period. Think about what they're doing. They're lowering the stakes of the decision for people. They're making it reversible. They're making the consequences of your decision not very sticky at all, right? They're just making it really easy for you to decide and to just change your mind later if you want to. Nowadays, a lot of companies aren't even asking you to put in your credit card information to start a free trial. And if anybody has ordered anything and returned something to Amazon at all recently, think about how easy they make it. It's free. You used to have to print out a label. You no longer have to print out a label. You used to have to put it in a box and drop it off somewhere. You don't even have to put it in a box anymore. You just show up to a local UPS store or some other drop-off location that they have. It could be Whole Foods, right? And you just bring the item and they will pack it and they will ship it for you and they will give you a refund without even looking at it twice. And now what's the result of all of this? The result is that you and me and all the other consumers in the world, we perceive it to be frictionless. We perceive it to be almost consequenceless. It makes it very easy for us to just decide quickly to buy something on Amazon because we know that it's not a one-way door. We know that it's a two-way door. And so what's the main takeaway here? Most decisions are two-way doors. Treat them as two-way doors. And so from a practical standpoint, one of the first things to ask yourself when you're making a decision, whether it's as big as should I start a new business and launch a new offer, or as small as what shirt should I wear today, ask yourself this, am I dealing with a one-way door or a two-way door? Now let's move on. Let's talk about how much information Jeff thinks you actually need to make a decision. The answer, less than you want. Here's another quote from that letter to the shareholders. Quote, most decisions should probably be made with somewhere around 70% of the information you wish you had. If you wait for 90%, in most cases, you're probably being too slow. If you're good at course correcting, being wrong may be less costly than you think, whereas being slow is going to be expensive for sure. End quote. I want to repeat the one sentence there. Most decisions should probably be made with somewhere around 70% of the information you wish you had. Hence, the 70% rule. Jeff didn't call it that, but I am. His point is that you want to make your two-way door decisions when you have about 70% of the information that you wish you had. 
After that, his point is that it's the law of diminishing returns. You can try to get close to 100%, but you're just wasting your time at that point. It's not actually going to increase the quality of your decision. What I also love about this quote is that Jeff is saying that we should consider the cost of going slow. The first place that most of our brains will go as entrepreneurs is what will it cost if I make the wrong choice? But in the meantime, our brains want to ignore the other side of the equation, the flip side of that coin, which is the cost of making a really slow decision. And the cost isn't just in terms of time, right? Have you ever just been off to an amazing start for the day? Like you woke up early, you had a good workout, good breakfast, you get into your work, you're crushing your to-do list, feels like the wind is at your back, like nothing can stop you. And then you come to a place of needing to make a decision about something. And maybe it's something that's been on your mind for a couple of weeks and you get to it and maybe it's just choosing between two softwares or just it's a piece of content that you want to share. And that decision, for whatever reason, it just slows you down. Like you're riding your bike and you transition from a nice, perfect sidewalk into riding through a thick, muddy swamp. And you research and you research and you research, hoping to just build your confidence in one of the options to the point where you can just decide. And you think you've come to a decision. Then you look up one more thing. You read one more article or one more review of a product or service, and it just makes you question all of the research that you've done before. Or if it's writing a post, you get 75% done, 85% done writing a post, and then you just decide, you know what, I don't actually like this. I don't want to share it anymore. And eventually, once you reach a certain point, maybe the 30-minute mark, the hour mark, you just start to get frustrated that it's taking so long to make this decision or to get this done. And then you decide to walk away, to go for a walk, to go eat lunch. And now at this point, not only have you wasted time, you're also in a much worse headspace and mood. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in a bad mood, if I took forever to make a decision that I could have made in minutes, my productivity generally plummets. And that unmade decision lingers like a cloud over my head. And even if I'm not thinking consciously about it, it's in my awareness and it affects me the rest of the day or even for a few days. And so there is a much larger cost than what it might appear to cost on the surface to going slow. So that's point number two, the 70% rule. You want to make a two-way door decision when you have 70% of the information that your brain really wants. Now, how do we actually do this? How do we take Jeff's advice? How do we apply the 70% rule and make decisions faster with less information without sacrificing quality? Here's what we want to do. One, identify your non-negotiables. What do you absolutely need to know in order to make this decision? That's step one. Step two, now you want to identify what are the nice-to-haves? What is it that you would like to know? Now, the coach in me has to say this, you absolutely want to examine whatever your brain is telling you for step one that you need to know, right? Like what's non-negotiable. You want to challenge that. You want to examine that and ask, is that actually true? But once you're confident what that is, don't sacrifice the non-negotiables, like figure those out, identify what they are and, and find out the information that you need. And then where you want to be willing to sacrifice, where you want to be able to stretch yourself, 
is in the nice to know things category, right? That second step. Because often we want to know 90 plus percent of the information, often close to 100% of the information that we want to make a decision. But in reality, we really only need our non-negotiables and maybe a little bit of nice to know information, right? So the 70% rule, make the decision when you have about 70% of the information that you wish you had. I want to share an example of two people in similar positions who take two different approaches to decision-making, and I want to show you where they end up, and then we're going to wrap up the episode with our challenge. So Toby and Jane, two people, classmates, they graduate from the same design school, and they start their businesses immediately after graduating. Both of them really love logo design and apparel design. And so we've got Toby, we've got Jane, let's talk through Toby. Toby on day one in his business says, you know what, this is a two-way door decision. I think I wanna just start out with logo design. I think I want that to be my focus. And so Toby goes out, he markets himself. He brings in three clients over the course of two months. And after completing those projects, he realizes that he actually thinks he would rather be designing apparel. So he switches his niche and he starts to do that work. At this point now, two months out from day one in his business, he has testimonials from his past clients who loved working with him. He has income from those clients. He has confidence in his ability to market himself and to bring clients in. And he knows with certainty that he doesn't want to do logo design. So that's where Toby's at two months after starting his business. Let's look at Jane. Jane is treating this decision of niche like a one-way door. She's afraid of picking one of the niches because she's afraid that she's going to pick the wrong one. She doesn't want to pick one and end up not liking it or not be able to find clients in that niche. So she spends the first couple of months, the first three, researching which niche is better, which one's more profitable, where is there more demand. She creates two versions of her website, one for each niche. She interviews people in each of those niches and asks what do they want and what are they looking for and what budget do they have. And she ends up deciding to do apparel design. Three and a half months in now, she books her first client and she loves it. Which of these two, Toby or Jane, is better off? Jane technically got it right, quote unquote, the first time, right? She guessed the right niche. But Toby recognized that he wasn't locked into a certain decision forever. And as a result, right, he was willing to decide, commit, and then evaluate He learned very quickly, was able to course correct, was able to pivot. He gained practical business skills, testimonials, confidence in his ability to do this thing, and income because he was willing to decide and move on and learn. And because of the way that our education system is set up, because we take tests where there is a right answer our entire lives, and then we step into entrepreneurship it's very easy to think that there is a right answer or a right path, but it often, most often that is not actually the case. And you're just choosing between two good options and the best path forward is to decide and move on. Decide and move on and learn. Decide, move on and learn. So let's wrap up this episode with our challenge. I want to be clear, I am not advocating for thoughtless decisions, but I am advocating for two-way door decisions, which are most decisions, 
I'm advocating that you spend less time ruminating, less time researching and gathering information, and that you actually make a decision before you have all the information that you think you want. And so our challenge for an entire week, I want you to make decisions as if you were Jeff Bezos. So first, identify, is this a one-way door or a two-way door? Then, for anything that's a two-way door decision, which will be most decisions, apply the 70% rule. Decide with less information than your brain really wants. Identify your non-negotiable, must-know pieces of information, and then challenge yourself to decide shortly after you have that. And I seriously, I encourage you to extend this into your personal life as well. It's actually going to enhance this challenge and this exercise. It's going to help you build this muscle faster. So when you go to a restaurant or you're picking a restaurant, deciding which shirt to wear, deciding if you should go to that church event on Wednesday night, apply the 70% rule. You will notice that when you decide more quickly with less information, there is a sense of indescribable freedom. You will notice that there will be less friction in your day. You're going to notice yourself just feeling happier overall. And you're going to realize just how much weight you had put on yourself to make the right decision. And you're going to feel that dissipate. You're going to feel that weight lift off your shoulders. You're going to notice that your business and the world don't fall apart. And that a lot of the decisions that you make have far lower stakes than your brain would have you think. And so... I highly encourage you take this challenge. This is something that I do every now and then, maybe once a quarter, maybe even more frequently than that. I just say, I'm for the next week, I'm going to apply this decision-making framework. I'm going to decide things before I feel ready to decide. This is a muscle that will serve you in life. It's a muscle that will serve you in faith, and it's a muscle that will serve you in your business. Remember that your brain is going to skew towards playing it safe. And so especially if you're someone who feels safer to make a decision once you've done hours of research on every option, if you're used to satisfying your brain's desire to have 100% or close to 100% of the information before deciding, this challenge will make you uncomfortable. Like it will actually, to your brain and your nervous system, it will feel unsafe and it will feel risky, but that's okay. If you feel a little bit of an adrenaline rush, if you feel a little bit of butterflies, that means that you're doing it right. A few reminders as we wrap this episode up. How quickly you make decisions is not determined by your DNA. Decision-making is a skill. This is a muscle that you can work out and make stronger. Making high-quality decisions at a high speed is possible, and it's actually a closer reality than you think it is. It just takes a decision to intentionally work on it. Decision-making is one of those skills where if you don't continue to develop it, it will actually constrain your ability to grow, both as an entrepreneur, but also constrain your ability to grow the business itself, right? And so decision-making at a foundational level is one of the skill sets that you need to get your business to the point where it can support your family and cover your living expenses. You have to be able to decide things like your niche, Who's your ideal client? What's your marketing strategy going to be? How quickly can you make decisions on the fly during a sales call, right? These are all things that you're gonna need to be able to do to get your business to that first milestone. Now, even after you reach that milestone, if you wanna scale to a quarter million, half a million in revenue, 
your old patterns and process for decision-making will again become a constraint that limits your business from growing. One of the ways that you know you've hit this point is when you find yourself thinking through a decision after you've logged off, after you're no longer working. Like if you're feeling like you need more time outside of your dedicated work hours to research and to think through a business decision, that's a sign that you're hitting that ceiling, that you're maxing out kind of on the weight that you can lift. And it means it's time to increase your capacity and strengthen that decision-making muscle. What's interesting when I think about my journey is when I was working in corporate, I had the luxury of, we didn't have access to email or, or laptops at home. So it was really pretty easy for me to stop work when the workday was done. Granted, I was working longer hours than I am now, but still, there was a pretty clean break between work and life. So there are really very few instances where I was spending time not working, so being at home, where I was thinking about and consumed by a decision at work. When I transitioned and became an entrepreneur, that changed when I became an entrepreneur and it started to consume a little bit more of my time outside of work, a little bit more of my thinking. And it wasn't until I kind of brought awareness to that and realized that that was happening and realized that it was because I had an underdeveloped decision-making muscle, I wasn't getting that done within the confines of my work day and I was letting it take up vastly more time than it needed to. And so if that's you, if, if you're finding that you want to scale your business and you feel like your decision-making muscle might be one of the constraints preventing you from doing that with as little friction as possible, I would encourage you to book a call at lenahancoaching.com slash discovery. I link to that in the show notes and you and I can see if we're a fit to help you scale your business. That is all for today. I hope you have a great week of making faster decisions. I would love to hear how this goes for you. I hope that you're actually applying this 70% rule. I want to hear about it. Let me know on Instagram what the experience is like for you. And if you know someone in your life who tends to make slow, overanalyzed decisions who could benefit from the 70% rule, go ahead and share this episode with them and, you know, be vague Or just come right out and say, hey, you make really slow decisions. I think you should listen to this podcast. However you do it, do it with love. That's all for today. I'll talk to you next week on the Renew Your Mind podcast.